Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Junction 28 Church. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today and know that God wants to bless you with this message. We'd love to hear about it, so why not tell us on our Facebook or Twitter pages? If you would like further information about who we are, check out our website www.thejunction28church.com We hope you enjoy this message. Who's got their Bible with them tonight? Well, let's do a test. In the Old Testament, they used to have what is called wave offerings. Should we have a wave offering? Wave at me. I'm just going to make a note, actually. Keep waving. Okay, it's good to bring your Bible, isn't it? Or your iPad or iPod or iPhone or anything else beginning with I. Uh, with you uh, to follow along in the scriptures. I do want to bring a a word to you this evening. And uh, I I do trust that it won't just be an evening of of information, but but revelation. I'm going to say that again. That it won't just be an evening of information, but revelation. You know, I can put something into your head but really only the Spirit of God can make it drop into your heart. And we so desperately need in these days the Spirit and the Word. Because when it's information and revelation, it leads to transformation. And I don't know about you, I don't just want to come into church and out of church just the same person. I want to change. I want to become more like Jesus. And that really is ultimately God's main plan for your life. God's main plan for your life is not that you do this or do that, go here or go there, marry this person or marry that person. Important though it is, God's main will for your life is that you might be like his son Jesus Christ. And I want to be like him. And I've got to the stage in my life, I don't just want to read the Bible. I don't just want to hear it being preached. But I want God to quicken something and to change me. And how we need the Spirit and the Word. Remember in the creation, God spoke And it says also the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Spirit and Word in creation. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. Peter preached. Spirit and the Word, new creation. Peter says we're born again by the imperishable seed of the Word of God. John says we're born again by the Spirit of God. So who is right? Peter and John, who's right? They're both right. We need the Spirit and we need the Word. And I trust that will happen this evening. Are you up for that? Praise God. I want to read three verses to you. And I'm going to give my message a title and some various things will go on the screen behind me. Um, If you're taking notes, if you're into all that, then... 
title of my message this evening is At the Master's Feet. At the Master's Feet. And we're going to look first of all at Luke 10, 39. Luke 10, 39. It says, She, Martha, had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Have you got the first one there? Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. John eleven thirty two. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then finally, John 12, verse 3. Same Mary. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, she poured it where? On Jesus' feet. And wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So Mary of Bethany then, and, and we need to be aware that in the New Testament, certainly there are various Marys. Don't get them mixed up. I remember going to Africa once to teach some pastors in some villages out in the middle of nowhere. And one pastor, bless him, he wasn't in the ministry for long, thought that the Joseph of the Old Testament was the same as the Joseph in the New Testament. And he was a pastor of the church. See, in places like Africa... People are getting born at a tremendous rate. More people are getting born again, exceeding the, far, uh, the, the normal, the natural birth rate. And churches are spring up all over the place, and they've got no one to pastor them. So you've been saved for five minutes, right? You better go and pastor the church, and they don't know the word of God yet. So don't get the Marys mixed up. Talking here about Mary of Bethany, and she's mentioned at least three times in the Gospels. And every time she's mentioned, she's always at the feet of Jesus. What a wonderful place to be found. At the feet of Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, she's at the feet of Jesus, listening. Showing diligence. In John chapter 11, she's at the feet of Jesus, complaining. Doubt. In John chapter 12, she's at the feet of Jesus, worshipping, showing devotion. Diligence, doubt, and devotion. Those are the three things I want to look at this evening. First of all, we, we see Mary at the feet of Jesus, listening. I'm sure we remember the story very well. Luke chapter 10 Jesus at the home of Mary and Martha, and Lazarus there in, in Bethany. And on this occasion, Jesus was the guest of honor. And in a context like that, there was food that needed to be prepared. There were people that needed to be served. 
And Martha was in her element. I don't know if you've noticed, but if you put certain people in certain contexts, they seem to come alive. Take them out of that context as though they're dead. You put an evangelist in a room full of unsaved people, if they're a true evangelist, they will come alive. You put a teacher in a room full of hungry hearts, they'll come alive. Because something kicks in. People seem to come into their element in certain contexts. Their gifting seems to kick in. And Martha was in this situation. There was a, a house full of people. People needed to be entertained. People needed to be served, shown hospitality. Food needed to be made and cooked. And she was in her element, rushing around like any good woman, multitasking. Women, how do you do it? How can you do seven things at one time? I can do one thing at a time. I can do it well. But let me concentrate on this one first, and then I'll think about that. My wife, seven things. Wow. Just like Martha. Rushing around like a headless chicken, everything had to be done, spinning plates sort of thing. And, and then she looks over and she sees her sister Mary doing nothing. Isn't that annoying? When you're packing up the chairs after a busy Sunday... And you're vacuuming the floor and you've got to get ready for Monday morning. Toddlers or whatever you have. And you look over and people are sat there doing nothing. Or you think they're doing nothing. Remember once many years ago, recently saved, packing up the chairs after Sunday evening. Looking over, seeing a brother in the Lord talking to somebody. And I was there thinking, Lord, I just want to lay hands on him. About there. From the left foot of fellowship. He's doing nothing. Here I am putting all the chairs away. He was in the same meeting as me. Why isn't he helping? I got so annoyed. Found out later on that actually that brother was witnessing to somebody and leading them to Christ. Was he doing nothing? Absolutely not. He was doing something. It's the perception, isn't it? And she looks over at her dear sister who's lying on the floor, sat at the feet of Jesus, doing nothing. Oh, and her blood begins to boil. And she says to Jesus, Jesus, I'm very upset. Jesus, don't you care? Fancy saying that to Jesus. Just like the disciples in the boat, remember? Don't you care if we drown? Of course he cares. Jesus, don't you care that I've been left to do all the work and my sister is doing absolutely nothing Tell her to work. She'll listen to you. She never listens to me. But Jesus, she'll listen to you. She respects you. 
tell her to help me. And she didn't get the response she wanted. Isn't that amazing when we say something to Jesus and he doesn't give us the response we want? Did you hear me, Lord? Yeah? It's not what I wanted to hear. Oh, well. And Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha. Uses her name not once, twice. Great compassion. Martha, Martha, you are upset about many, many things. Today's language, Martha, chill out. Original Greek, take a chill pill. Calm down. Don't get so upset. Because Martha, what you need to understand is this. I'm not always going to be with you. I'm not always going to be at your house. I'm on my way to the cross. I'm on my way. Like the flood's coming, isn't it? I'm on my way to the cross. I'm on my way to die for the sins of mankind. I'm not always going to be with you. There'll always be time for meals. There'll always be time to show hospitality. There'll always be time to wash dishes and to cook food. But there will not always be time to spend time with me. What she has chosen, she's chosen the better part. Because Martha, it's not what you do for me. It's you spending time with me. Remember when I was in pastoral work, I used to love visiting people. Lots of cups of tea, which actually I don't like. And I would have about an hour, then I had to move on to the next home and have whole days of, of visiting. I think Tuesday and Thursday were my visitation days. One particular lady, I would have an hour with her, and she would spend, bless her, 45 minutes in the kitchen making me cucumber sandwiches, cutting off the crusts, baking scones, not just getting them out from Morrison's, actually baking them, making tea, which I don't like, as I've said. And I would be in the living room waiting 45 minutes. She would shout things out, and I would shout things out to her. 45 minutes, and then I've had 10 minutes left, and I've got to eat it and talk to her have a quick prayer and a quick Bible read, and then get on the road to my next visitation. And it's like Mavis, or whatever her name was. It's not what you do for me. I want to spend time with you. Now, bless her, hospitality. Oh, the pastor's come to visit. The vicar's coming for tea. Let's get out the best china. Bless her. God bless her for that. But actually, I'd rather spend an hour with no tea with you. It's really what Jesus is saying. Martha, it's not what you do for me. I want you to spend time with me. Because I'm not always going to be here. 
Martha was distracted. Mary was devoted. Martha was the worker. Mary was the worshipper. Martha was the laborer. Mary was the listener. My question to you tonight is, who was right? Who was right, Mary or Martha? In a sense, they're both right. Let me say, it's good to be a Martha at times. It's good to work, isn't it? I don't get many amens because it's Monday morning tomorrow. It is good to work. It's good to be active. God worked. Did you know that? He worked. Genesis chapter 1. Work is not a result of the fall. That's Genesis chapter 3. Work comes before the fall. Work is good. Paul says, if you don't work, neither should you eat. It's good if you can, if you're able to work and put in a good day's work. There's something very satisfying about that when you've done a good day's work. That is a good, that is not a sin, that is a, a good, good thing. The Bible says it's good to show hospitality. Romans 12, 13, practice and some of us need to practice because we're not very good at it. Practice hospitality. Some of us need to be a bit more hospitable. But I haven't got the gift of hospitality, brother. Still to be hospitable. Because you don't have the gift of evangelism, you should still witness. Might not have the gift of encouragement like Barnabas, but you're still to encourage. Uh, it's not my gift. We should all do it. Hospitality is linked to the word hospital. Did you know that? When we show hospitality to people, at the end of the visit, they should feel better. That visit should have done them good. It's linked with the word hospital, hospice. Yes, a place of healing. Or hospitality that we show one to another should bring healing and comfort to people. They should feel better at the end of the visit than at the beginning. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes you visit with some people and you feel worse at the end of it than at the beginning. Practice hospitality. That's a good thing. The Bible says, Romans 12, 7, it's good to serve. So Martha has, in a sense, she's got it right. But the point is this. In the midst of our busyness, in the midst of our activity, working hard as unto the Lord, in the midst of our busy lives, we need to cultivate the art of listening. In the midst of our busy routines, and I do wish sometimes there'd be eight days in the week, 25 hours a day. I really do wish that. But in the midst of our busy lives, and life seems to get busier, doesn't it? I'm finding the older I'm getting, the busier I get. And I often say, oh, next year, 
I'll find time for that. What happens? You never find time for it. They say retirement, actually. You're busier in retirement than you are before you retired. I have to wait uh, about 40 years for that one. In the midst of our busyness, we need to have those moments when we are stopping and spending time with Jesus. So we're Mary and Martha at the same time. Yes, we're to be busy, but we need to work in a routine where we're stopping. We're having certain times in the evening, in the weekend, in the day, lunchtime, where we're just going to sit at his feet. It's not either or. It's together and. And not times when we're speaking, praying, or even praising, but times when we are just listening. That's hard, isn't it? Our quiet times sometimes are not very quiet. We don't seem to like listening. We like to talk but we don't often listen. As human beings, you see, we, we like to talk, don't we? Some human beings like to talk more than others. The fact is that a man, an average man, needs to talk 8,000 words a day. Some men, actually, like to talk a lot more than that. But the average, men, average man, 8,000 words a day. Now, the female of the species more than 8,000. 15,000 words a day. Average. Some less, and actually, believe me, some more. Average about 8,000 words a day, and that's it. He spent average woman 15,000 words. So when I get home from work, I've been teaching in the classroom, I've been holding meetings, I've been speaking to people one-to-one, -one, and I get home, and I pretty much used up my 8,000 words. So I walk through the door, and I expect my slippers to be there waiting for me, and a nice uh, cup of coffee, and the newspaper, and a bit of silence. And then my wife says to me, how was your day? Fine. 8,001. What did you do? Not much. End of conversation. Because I've used up 8,000 words. I'm done. I just want to be left alone. But my wife, bless her, has still got 7,000 words to use. So I utter the fateful words, darling, tell me about your day. Ooh. 7,000 words later. We like to talk. But we're not very good at listening. I get this impression of God, you know, really wanting to get through to us, really wanting to answer our prayers and guide us and speak to us, 
but we don't actually listen. Somebody once said you've got two ears, one mouth. Perhaps you're meant to listen twice as much as you do speak. That's a good one, isn't it? I just get this impression God wants to speak to us. And we pray and we pray and pray, saying, God, speak to me, and we, we use up all our words. And then we go out of God's presence, and God says, I can't get a word in. Any relationship has to be two-way. Ever been in a relationship where it's all one way? It's got to be two-way. And I just feel even this evening, God wants to speak to you. God is saying, you prayed about something, and I really want to answer. I want to speak to you through my word, but you're not listening. You're too busy. You're like Martha, you're rushing around. Good things, I'm not talking about immoral things. I'm not talking about sin, things that need to be done. And there are things that need to be done each day. But you're so busy, you're not taking those, that time out in the midst of the busyness just to sit at his feet and be like Mary. Mary chose, Jesus said, the better part. She sat at his feet listening. Moving on then, secondly, we see Mary at his feet complaining. Interesting how you can quickly go from one to the other. Ever been like that? Everything's been great with the Lord one day, and then the next day everything goes wrong. She went from a place where listening, content in his presence, to a place of doubt and complaining. We know the story, I'm sure, very well in, in John chapter 11, that Lazarus fell ill. And they got word to Jesus, Lord, come quickly, the one that you love is sick. But he didn't go straight away. He didn't turn up when they expected him to. They had a run sheet. They, they had it all worked out. This was meant to happen and then that, and then Jesus would come and heal him, and then he would go on as normal and he'd be well. And it didn't work out that way. They thought it had to be this, and Jesus, you've got to fit into this little bit. That sound familiar? We've got our plans, oh, this is what's going to happen. And by the way, if you can just fit into this little bit, please. Not there, but there. Thank you very much. As you had it all worked out, but he delayed. And when he finally did turn up, Lazarus had already died. The Bible says that Mary fell at his feet, saying the words, Jesus, why? Why didn't you come sooner? Jesus, why are you late? Let me say Jesus is never late. I don't think he's early either. I think he's always bang on time. His time. Why? Why didn't you come when we called you? Don't you love Lazarus? You spend time in our house. You're, you're, you're friends of the family. Why didn't you come? You heal everybody else. And when we need you, where are you? You see, she saw this. 
And Jesus saw this. She only saw a little bit of the picture because the Lord always sees the bigger picture. She saw healing. Jesus saw resurrection. She saw this. Jesus saw this. Maybe in your life you're thinking, Lord, I've prayed. I've cried out to you. Yet you've not come. You've not answered my prayer. That healing that I need, you're not hearing me. I'm looking around, you're healing everybody else. What's wrong with me? That prodigal son has not returned. Lord, where are you? Ever prayed those prayers? I have. Maybe we've got in mind a healing, but he's got in mind a resurrection. Maybe he's got in mind something far bigger than you can even hope or imagine. And we've got to trust him. That's what it comes down to. We've got to trust him. He doesn't work according to our time scale. We have it all worked out. This is what it's going to be. And Jesus fit into that. He will not fit into your plans. You've got to fit into his plans. It's the only way it's going to work. She complained. Lord, why? It doesn't make sense. That and that equals that. Why? Ever said why to the Lord? You know, there's other people in the Bible who complained. Habakkuk complained. Three chapters, first two chapters are complaints. The third chapter is praise. He starts off complaining, and at the end of it all, he praises God anyway. But he has some real complaints. Why is it that the unrighteous seem to prosper? Ever thought about that one? Why is it that the ungodly, they seem to have it all? Again, it's perception. We think they've got it all. They seem to be blessed. They're living life their own way and they seem to be prospering. They seem to be driving nice cars and living in big houses and wearing fashionable clothes and they seem to have lots of money. Everything seems to be going well for their career. And yet me, I'm trying to live for God and everything's going wrong. Why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people? It doesn't make sense, does it? And Habakkuk had these complaints. Lord, I don't like it. Why is that wicked nation prospering? It isn't fair. And God had to get him to see, look, Habakkuk, a time is coming when it's all going to come good. I'm doing something in the nations that you will not even believe. You will be amazed at what I'm doing. You've just got to trust me. And at the end of it all, chapter 3, Lord, I don't like it. I don't understand it. But though the fig tree does not bud, there are no sheep in the pen. Grapes on the vines, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. And that's what we've got to come back to. That at the end of it all, it's going to come good. 
The judge of all the earth will do what is right. But this time, this side of heaven, things do not make sense. And we've got to trust him. And she complained. Some people say you should never complain to the Lord. I don't know what you think about that. I tend to feel that maybe we should. Because number one, he will win the argument anyway. Number two, you might as well get it out. Because he knows how you feel anyway. And we see examples of people that complain. They didn't understand. Sometimes we've got to rest in the fact that we won't always have an answer. But if we're feeling something, let's get it out. And Mary complained. You know, isn't it annoying when God doesn't do what we expect? Isn't it annoying when God seems to delay? Isn't it annoying when God doesn't fit into our time scale and our plans? Isn't it annoying when God doesn't act quickly enough? Maybe you have prayed. Maybe you've cried out to God. And the days have turned into weeks and the weeks have turned into months and the months have turned into years and still no answer. You've cried out to God for guidance. You've cried out to God for provision. You've cried out to God for that lost child who's gone away from the Lord. Lord, when are they going to come back to you? You've cried out to, to God for healing. Nothing seems to be working. Let me say to you that his delays are not his denials. Though it seems that he is late, he has not forgotten you. And you might have in mind this, he has in mind this, something far bigger than what you're expecting. He sees the bigger picture. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what he's doing. And we have to trust him. The tendency is to take matters into our own hands. Lord, I prayed. It's not happening. Maybe God is too busy. You think this? Maybe I'm a sinner. Maybe I've just done something wrong and God's not happy with me. Therefore, I will help God out. God doesn't need your help. If he created the, the world without you, he can do lots of things without you. Because when we step in, we make a mess of it. Abraham, you're going to have a son. 20 years later, there's no son. So what does Abraham, Sarah do? Let's help God out. He sleeps with Hagar. Along comes Ishmael. Here is the son of promise. No, it's not. You needed to wait for Isaac. Because the problem is, Ishmael's don't go away. They go on living. And not only we live in the consequences of our hastiness, other people will live in the consequences of our hastiness. 
Don't help God out. He's not forgotten. But he's working on something far bigger than you can even hope and imagine. At his feet, complaining. And then finally, she was at his feet, worshipping. Devotion. After the raising of Lazarus, eventually, they had a special dinner in the honor of Jesus, and we're told that she took a pint of pure nard, very expensive perfume. Cost, I think one version says, a year's wages, something like that, so you can sort of work that out, how much you know that was worth. And Judas seemed to be very upset. We could have sold that and given it to the poor. Completely missed the point. And she poured it out over Jesus, over his feet, visibly over his head, poured it out over him, untied her hair, and wiped his feet with her hair. She literally let her hair down. Something not done in that culture. But she didn't worry about that because Jesus was the focus of her worship. Let me just tell you a few things about her worship and her act of devotion. Number one, it was spontaneous. I'm sure the run sheet for that evening did not have it on the run sheet. We're going to start with this and this and then Mary's going to step forward and she's it was spontaneous. It wasn't planned. Not against those things. Not against run sheets. But within our run sheets, we have to have time for spontaneity. You know, Yes, we are to plan meetings. God is a God of order. Paul was into that in a big way. But also there has to be times when we just allow God to do what he needs to do. It was spontaneous. No one told her to do it. No one gave her her cue. You're on, Mary. Now's your moment. She did it spontaneously from her heart. Let me say the best worship we can bring to Jesus is when we really want to do it. Yes, there are times when we should worship together, and that's, that's, that's in order. That's good. That's fitting. But even within our corporate worship, doing something because we really want to do it. Maybe kneeling. Maybe raising a hand. Maybe singing our own song. Times at home, just bringing spontaneous acts of worship to Jesus. Not because we have to. That's religion. But because we want to, that's relationship. The greatest acts of worship are when we do it out of a spontaneous heart. If I say to my children, as I have done in the past, do you love daddy? Tell daddy you love him. Or twisting their arm, you know, up the back. Oh, I love you. That's not as good as when, off the top of their head, out of the love in their hearts, they just spontaneously come up to me 
and do something to show me they love me. That means more to me. Why? Because they do it because they really want to do it, not because, oh, I better do it. Can you see what I mean? And how often we do that with God. I better sing this song because it's up on the, on the screen. This is the time for worship now. And sometimes our acts of worship actually can be very religious. Yes, it's good to worship corporately. But within that, we need to bring some spontaneity. Raising a hand, not because we're told to, but because we really want to. Kneeling or laying on the floor. Well, what if people see me? Well, who cares? She didn't care if people saw her. Spontaneous. Secondly, it was costly. A year's wages. She gave sacrificially. She gave her best. Do we give the Lord the best of our worship? The best of our time? The best of our energy? That's the problem in the book of Malachi. At the beginning, they started to bring sacrifices to the Lord with the best animals. The finest animals without spot or blemish. But then after a while, well, if we're going to sacrifice them anyway, we might as well just sacrifice a lame one or a blind one because we're going to sacrifice. We don't want to sacrifice the best. It's going to die anyway, so we might as well get rid of these lame animals. Can you see the mentality? In a sense, it makes sense, doesn't it? But they weren't bringing God the best. And he has some very stern words for them. Let me just say, God gave us the best when he gave Jesus. Surely, he deserves the best from us. Not the, the leftovers. Not the leftovers of our finance. We'll see what's left at the end of the month. Because what happens, there's usually nothing left at the end of the month. We'll see what time I've got. I, I want to do this and I want to do that and I've got that hobby and I want to see that game. And I'm not against any of those things. I like football. I like lots of things. And I'll see what time I've got left at the end of the week. And I'll give that to the Lord. What happens? There's usually no time left. And we could do it with our energy, our finance, our time. He deserves the best. Because he has given us the best. She brought the best that she could. It, was, it cost her something. And worship, in a sense, should cost us something. God, I don't feel like this. My life is going completely wrong. I don't feel like worshipping. I don't feel like stand I don't feel like going to church. That's when you bring, as Hebrews says, Hebrews 13, 15, a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes it is a sacrifice. I don't like it. I don't feel like it. It's costing me something, but I'm going to raise a hand. I'm going to go to church because it's the right thing to do. I don't feel like it, but it's the right thing to do. It's got to cost us something. Number three, she was uninhibited. 
She untied her hair. She let her hair down. I bet the neck curtains were twitching. Usually people that untied their hair and wore their hair down were as a certain type of person. Do I need to explain? No? Praise God. She, what are people going to think? She doesn't care what people are going to think. Because Jesus is the focus. She was uninhibited. Remember when the ark came back to Jerusalem? To Samuel chapter 6? What a great day that was. What was David the king doing? Stripped down to his linen ephod. And he was leaping and he was dancing. Why? Because this is a great day. It's not just a box has come back, but this is the presence of God. And all that it symbolizes is back in Jerusalem again. This is a great day for the nation. And where was Michael, his wife? The other side of the window. Looking down, and the Bible says specifically she despised him. Look at you, David. You're meant to be the king. A bit of decorum. You're meant to be dignified. How you've disgraced yourself. How you've let yourself down. Michael, I've not danced for you. I've danced for the Lord. I'm not worshipping for you or for the people or for a box. I'm worshipping God because this is a great day. See, he was a, a participator and she was a spectator. What side of the window are you at? It's easy to look on at others and I, I've done it. When people are worshipping a little bit exuberantly, I think that's a bit showy, isn't it? So in a meeting once, I'm in lots of meetings, and uh, you know, a lady came to the front with a flag, and she was waving the flag, and we all had to walk out the way, make sure we <laughs> go forward for healing at the end. And you know, she was, and I'm, I'm thinking, it's a bit, it's a bit showy, a bit distracting. And after the meeting, I was talking to the pastor, and he said, that lady that uh, no doubt you saw, I said, oh, yeah, yeah. I, think I, I think I noticed something. She's got an amazing testimony. She's a prostitute. On drugs and drink, and her life is completely turned upside down, or the right side up, I should say. <laughs> She's met Jesus. And in the world, she was a dancer. In the world, she was into entertainment. And now she's using that for the Lord. And when I heard that, I'm thinking, God, forgive me. I'm no better than Michael. Look at you. Who do you think you are? I don't want to look at you. I want to look at the Lord. David, what do you think you're doing? I'm dancing before the Lord. Mary, what do you think you're doing? I'm letting my hair down because he's worth it. Finally, she worshipped when she had the opportunity. You see, that perfume, perfume could have been used for Jesus' burial that was coming up. 
Usually that was what would happen. They would take expensive perfume and they would embalm the dead body, make it smell nice. She could have used that perfume for his burial. But she took it and used it when Jesus could appreciate it. Couldn't appreciate it when he was dead. My mum always said, I don't want flowers at my funeral. I won't be able to smell them then. I'd rather have them when I'm alive. In the last, I don't know, two, three months of mum's life, she passed away with cancer. Quite quickly, actually. From diagnosis to death, I think it was about two and a half months. It was incredibly quickly. And uh, we made sure she had flowers every week. And sure enough, no flowers at the funeral. Money was given, I think, to charity or to some good cause. We made sure she had flowers when she could smell them and enjoy them. He, she could have held off, I'll use this for his burial, but he can't appreciate it then. Let me say with our worship, let's worship Jesus when we can. If we have an opportunity, let's worship him now. Let's not say, well, next week. Are come ready to worship the Lord. Well, you do that as well, but worship him now as well. Don't put off worship for another time. He wants your worship right now. I know my time is gone. But let's sit at his, at his feet listening. Let's build those times into our busy lives, things we've got to do. We've got to pay the bills. We've got to Pay the mortgage, we've got to do these things, and it's right and proper to do those things. But building within our schedules times when we're going to draw ourselves to one side and be with the Lord and listen to him. Let's be honest with the Lord. If we feel something, let's tell him, but let's trust him. Lord, I don't like what's happening in my life. I don't like the fact that it's not working out quickly, but I trust you that you have heard me and when the time is right you're going to meet me and you're going to do something far bigger than I can hope or imagine and let's sit at his feet worshipping I don't feel like it that's the time to worship bring a sacrifice bring something that's costly be spontaneous uninhibited and worship him now when he can